Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the film Only Lovers Left Alive. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed without having seen the film, just be aware that some elements of the plot are likely to be spoiled for you. Enjoy. That's that's my vampire face. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And now, because the podcast is not a visual medium, I'm going to have to put a picture of that in the show notes. It's really just me with my mouth wide open. I I think you definitely need to. I think that should become your new profile picture across all of your different social media channels. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) I just got a new haircut, but like nobody would even notice because of my horrible British teeth. Do you do you think it's fair that there's this whole this like myth that, that we have bad dental care? It was always a big joke on The Simpsons, and I was always like a bit like, "What? Well, I what am I getting braces for?" The funny thing is that actually British dental care's some of the best in the world. Um, yeah, and yeah, so it's quite an interesting myth, and I wonder where it comes from. I guess because of the royal family and things like that, there's this perception of the British as having bad teeth because of Prince Charles and his strange face. Exactly, yeah. I, I've never even seen Prince Charles's teeth. I'm not convinced he has teeth. He's got them all filed down to points. <laughs> like a vampire. Like a vampire. I mean, I'm not saying the royal family are vampires, but all I'm saying is it's October, it's Halloween month, and they just announced a royal baby. And that baby's clearly going to be like the creepy, weird baby in Twilight where its name is like four, four names all mushed together and it's going to age backwards or whatever the hell um, because the royal family are vampires. I mean, that is how um, that is how the royal family works. Yeah, they age backwards. That's that's exactly what happens to them. Yeah, it's like the, the curious case of Benjamin Prince Harry. <laughs> but it is funny, isn't it? We've had... Uh... Royal babies being born, royal babies being announced. Yeah. It's yeah, it's it's annoying. I wish they'd just stop. <laughs> aren't there enough of them already? I don't mind. Cuz cuz Meghan Markle's a good one. Yeah. I've got she, I've got her back. She's cool. She she's pretty cool. She's the best royal for sure. No. And question. of course they the, um Harry and Meghan are are Sussex, which is where I'm from. That yep. is, they are now my duke. The Duchess of Sussex. Yep, which is which is all well and good. Um, that I mean, I'm a bit annoyed because initially that was the name I had for my cat was the Duchess of Sussex, but um, <laughs> but that that's had to sort of go away now that there is one. So you had to settle for just like a single name, like a boring yeah. cat. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. If you have a pet, you got you got to give it two names. Like the dog in Gilmore Girls was called Paul Anker. It's like that. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, where do you think Benedict Cumberbatch came from? <laughs> Um, he crawled out of a grave, I believe. <laughs> he's definitely undead. He is. He's, he's a, he? a good actor for Halloween stuff. It's a shame he's not in any of the things that we're discussing. It's true. Yeah, he's not really. I don't think he's done any real horror-related things. I was going to say, has he done any scaries? 
Let's have a little. Let's have a little IMDb snoop and see what he's he done. He... I don't think he has either. I think I would have recognised it unless he's yeah. voiced somebody in something. Yeah, let's see. Benedict Cumberbatch, Benedict Arnold, no, Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch height, Benedict Cumberbatch wife, Benedict Cumberbatch movies. Oh, you haven't got Benedict Cumberbatch feet or net worth, which oh, are the those two are, top yeah. Google things. I mean, he has done an awful lot of stuff over the years. Yeah, let, lest we forget, he was in Nathan and Nathan Barley. Sorry, I'm just laughing. <laughs> yes, I started typing Benedict Cumberbatch N, um, and <laughs> this is the usual stuff: names, net worth, Netflix, and you got Benedict Cumberbatch neck. Oh, like who the fuck's googling him for his neck? Is he known for his neck? I don't know. You know, you don't you don't think about a neck unless it's like really substantial or whether it's not there at all you know some men have no neck it's mm. like it's like that i suppose in some of these pictures he he is quite long necked maybe he does have a long neck maybe he does maybe maybe he does have a very long neck or maybe he is like smaug the dragon in real life oh yeah maybe that's what they're getting confused <laughs> between him and characters that he played <laughs> so um he was in some kind of adaptation of Frankenstein, like a, a theatre adaptation of Frankenstein. Of course. Is what's come up. So that's something. Um, apart from that, the only tenuous link I can have is that he plays Doctor Strange in um, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And the Doctor Strange movie um, is directed by a very good horror director. Oh, um, Okay. Who directed Sinister, who's a, which is a great little horror film with Ethan Hawking. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's that link. He's in a TV movie about Brexit. That's going to be horrifying for everybody. That's pretty fucking terrifying. <laughs> and he's also in, uh, well, he is in the Hobbit films, which terrify me because I know that they're boring and stupid, even though I haven't seen them. <laughs> even though you haven't seen them. Yeah. I, I'm able to dismiss them. Based I, I on have the fact s- that they took one good book and turned it into three films. I think we've we've talked about this before, but I just I hate the idea of it so much that it can go away. It's one good, unbelievably short book that they turned into three films. Yeah. Um I, I have seen all of them and they get progressively worse as they go on, and I didn't think much of the first one, which I think tells you all you need to know about the oh, no. the Hobbit movies. Also, uh, Peter um, Jackson has some new film out that is, is it a war documentary? Um, I don't know. I think I, there was an interview with him that came up on a podcast I was listening to, and he, it, I think it was talking about some war documentary that he's made, and that's very, very boring. Yeah, there are enough <laughs> there are enough war documentaries. You know, like, he's just turning into a gammon. I don't, and I don't want that. I thought he the Lord of the Things films were good. He can't turn into a gammon, come on. No, he did the he, he, the underrated, in my opinion, Tintin film in twenty eleven. Tintin's good, the, yeah. Tintin's good. I like that, yeah. Um, the the original Lord of the Rings films are fantastic. I will not yeah. hear a bad word about them. They're great. I have a lot of time um, for those. He did lots of great um, horror movies as well. So he did Dead Alive and Bad Taste. Mm-hmm. Um, Bad Taste about aliens that come down and treat humans as fast food. Um, and now that is in Bad Taste. And that, <laughs> um, 
and uh dead alive is about someone whose mum uh gets bitten by a monkey and then gets turned into a zombie <laughs> classic and i think that's the one with the unbelievable i i think that's the one where someone goes manic on a bunch of zombies with a lawnmower it's a it's a spectacular scene. I think it's it's dead alive. That's there. oh no, that was um, that was warm bodies, wasn't it? <laughs> Get that lawnmower out. What else has people getting killed by a lawnmower? Oh, Lawn- the happening. The happening has man. someone getting run over by a giant lawnmower. I've never seen the happening, as you know, because and I will not watch it because it's the worst title of anything ever. We we're there is enough romance in it, Paddy, for us to watch that film. Well, thank fuck we've already decided on the rest of this year's Halloween. Yes, so, next year's so. Halloween. I do already have a short list of films for next year's Halloween. I'm, I'm that <laughs> enthusiastic about our Halloween month movies. Um, um, does anyone get killed by a lawnmower in Lawnmower Man? Starring Pierce Brosnan. I don't think they do, no, which I think is a real failure of that well, film's then what, part. Then what the fuck is that film playing at? It starts with a hyper-intelligent monkey trying to escape from a government facility with a gun and then, I think, killing itself when it can't escape. Oh That's how God, it I'm opens. I'm looking at this now. Um, this, is, this is monstrous. <laughs> this is genuinely monstrous. This looks like a boss from Star Fox 2. Yeah, yeah. Um, they did. They did make a really bad video game of the lawnmower man as well all set in the um the 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 virtual reality of it so why is it called lawnmower man so i think the guy who gets put into it cuts their lawns right um he's like their gardener and then they do an experiment on him and rather than it being a sweet and emotional story like flowers for algernon it turns into a big CGI mess. Oh dear, that doesn't sound like Pierce Brosnan's finest hour. It it is not, but at the same time, it also is his finest hour because it's hugely entertaining. Yeah, I mean, it's Pierce Brosnan. Yes, yeah, it's not quite Taffin levels, but it's it's good. It's a good. He watch. can do no wrong, in my opinion. I mean, it's true. Even in Mamma Mia Two, where he's sadly singing sos slowly while he's looking at pictures of his dead sexy wife (laughs) (laughs) you you haven't seen it have you i have not seen it no i'm really looking forward to that particular scene yeah it's it's great it's uh, basically spoiler alert meryl streep has died um and left him a widower and he's got this book of photos of the young her and she's played by Lily James and all the flashbacks. So he's got this like weird like book of Lily James like in swimsuits and stuff. And he's young and he's like crying and singing SOS in a really low voice while he reads it, while he looks at it. It's amazing. That makes me so happy. It makes me so happy. Yeah. Oh, well, only lovers left alive then. This this film I watched in a hotel room in Frankfurt when I was very tired. So I apologize if any of the key details lost on me but i feel like it was kind of quite a slow film and it was actually even though it was a film that wanted you to pay attention and see all the little nuances it actually was quite good that a good film to watch when i was tired because it sort of washed over me you know yeah and i and i think that's sort of like the the best way to approach this film i suppose um is that it it's almost like an experience to sound unbelievably pretentious. You're kind of thrown into this environment and it kind of just washes over you in waves, sort of their life. 
Yeah. And it does a very good job of um of showing you the lives of vampires in a way that's not really been done before either. No. Um so it's quite an interesting film in that regard. Is is, is it worth giving a giving a little bit of an overview in case there's anyone listening who hasn't watched it? Yeah, yeah, for sure because um, it's it's a very interesting film and it comes from an interesting place and it's a lot of things about it contextually are very interesting and notable particularly it's written and directed by now do we say jim jarmusch or do we say jim jarmusch i say jarmusch i i think jarmusch sounds nice but i've definitely heard people say jarmusch which which sounds like mush in a jar (laughs) like (laughs) baby food Um, and I actually I realized I've, I felt like I'd seen some of his work before, but I looked through his filmography and I actually have never seen any of his films. So oh, right, okay. it's, it's kind of like he's a bit of a David Foster Wallace figure, isn't he, in books? It's like I've, I reckon probably less than half of the people who claim to have read David Foster Wallace actually have read any of his work. But you don't have to have read his work to know that he's good, right? Yeah, yeah. I feel like Jarmusch has a similar reputation. I think yeah, I think that's about right, isn't it? He he's got a lot of acclaim as a director, yeah. Um, but his his films always kind of reach quite a niche audience, wouldn't you say? I think it's probably the best way to yeah describe it. It's really interesting with Only Lovers Left Alive that it it was uh, the budget was seven million and it took seven point six million, uh, which is pretty modest, really, when you look at the cast. I mean, did it? I don't even remember this getting a cinematic release. Like, did it get a proper cinematic release or no? I don't know if it got a proper one. I do remember seeing it, but it might have only been in a limited release. I didn't watch it at the cinema. I remember seeing lots of praise for it and then picked it up on, on Blu-ray um, pro- quite soon after it came out because, uh, you know, I love my vampire movies. I love my movies about weird-ass musicians. Yeah. A vampire movie about a weird-ass musician all who's, over that bad boy who's also a vampire who's also a vampire <laughs> yeah but i mean if you look at the cast like T- tilda swinton tom hiddleston mio azakovska um anton yelchin god rest his soul poor guy died very young and tragically which i still like still makes me feel really sad whenever i think about it um and john hurt you know these are big names really big names for a film that took such a modest amount it uh, just tells you that i think this film only like discerning people are going to see his work but it's you know it's getting awards it's get, it was nominated for the palm door at the 2013 Cannes film festival but again that doesn't necessarily translate to mainstream success but it translates to enough of a niche audience to make back the budget of your film and to get critical acclaim and that's all he wants right yeah yeah and and i think this is the kind of movie i mean this kind of film is is made for a very specific kind of person and and that's not just in terms of how it's directed with this kind of almost um abstract feel to it um it's also to do with like the subject matter and even sort of like the niche music that they use and and this real sort of like subgenre of of noise rock and experimentation in music that he creates as a character it's really aimed at a particular brand of person, and that particular brand of person is basically me. I was about to say, um, <laughs> I think I think he made this film specifically for you. I think it's like you know, there's this guy called Rob Gordon. Yeah. Um, he's going to love this movie. Let's make it for him and say thank you, Jim. I really appreciate it. Yeah, because you and him are pals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're best buds. You, you go way back, <laughs> all the way back. Yeah. Um. So you. Since you were both 
sperms in the jar of moosh. <laughs> Um, yeah, and, and so it's a real yeah. So, so th- this movie it's about two ancient vampire lovers there, there um, who live on different sides of the world. Um, you've got they're called Adam and Eve. You've got Adam, who is this like noise rock experimental musician who lives in Detroit, and you've got Eve, who lives in Tangier. Yeah, of course it's Detroit. It had to be in Detroit so that they could drive past the Packard plant because that is actually a rule in um, any horror film made after 2010. 2010, they put in the, the law that any horror film has to have the Packard plant in it. So they were like, well, let's <laughs> let's just set it in Detroit. It'll be easier. Um, I think it, it it's interesting that because this, this came around at the same time as, as Detroit was really falling apart as a city. Um, and um, And I think a lot of films have been able to capitalize on that and this sense of abandonment and this this sense of a city that's being sort of like that's that's effectively disappearing and and like the core people that live there are all disappearing and so it fits incredibly well as um as a place for vampires because if you don't want to have people to have much attention on you Detroit would be the place to go because there's so few people around in most of the streets because they've all been abandoned. People are just up and left. Yeah. Um, equally, if you're a reclusive noise rock musician, Detroit is the perfect place to go. So it kind of fit it. It fit this film perfectly, really, as a location. Yeah, but it's also um, it. It doesn't immediately reveal that it's Detroit either. It takes a while to get there. Like most things, it's a film. It's basically two hours, a little over two hours of constant little bits of information being revealed to you in place of a plot would you say that's fair yeah um plot wise this movie is um a bit all over the place um it it, it's not really it doesn't really set out to give you an out and out plot but instead kind of dunks you into the lives of these two people and kind of expects you to slowly understand how their world operates. Yeah, it, uh, there, there are key moments and things you can hang a story off of, um, namely that they're sort of um, they've come back together after many years because he's feeling a bit, um, he's feeling like he might kill himself with a special wooden bullet. And then you got John Hurt playing Christopher Marlowe. Yes, that Christopher Marlowe, the one who wrote all of Shakespeare's plays. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Um, yep, like. <laughs> Like I could just imagine like Jim Jarmusch sitting at a desk writing that down and just like whooping to himself how how clever he is with all the literary references. Um but the thing is like <laughs> I don't resent him for it because it's fun. That's the thing. It's even though it's a vampire movie and it is kind of slow and pretentious and it really lingers on stuff, it is fun as well and he's you get the feeling he's having fun with the literary allusions. There are lots of literary allusions and references and things in it, but I don't get the feeling he wants you to take them too seriously. But at the same time, he knows that people will take them seriously, so he's having a bit of fun with it. Yeah, and and, and at its core, it's a very, very playful movie. Um, even the most sort of like graphic and grotesque scenes that it has, and there's only a handful. Most of the time, it's, it, it's very laid back. Um it still has this real sense of fun and playfulness that you wouldn't necessarily expect um, if you if you just watched a trailer or just saw sort of like some of the footage or, or, or pictures of the movie in action. 
Yeah, the vampire stuff is is there. It's, it's the th- the thread, but the actual the actions of the vampires. So them drinking blood, eating people, you know, for sustenance, biting people, all of that kind of stuff is all actually very very second hand to the plot of them being up against of their love being against the backdrop of a world that they long no longer recognize and that they do not feel at home in. Um, so whether or not they're vampires actually doesn't really make that much difference. It just adds an element of playfulness and fun to it and a sort of canon of work to to reference to make it very, very sort of metatextual. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it it almost could just be a, a, a musician couple from the 80s who are, who are like a, a, a goth musician couple from that era who who don't quite understand the way that the world is turning yeah you you like jarvis could have made that film and it would have been good as well yeah it's but to have to have put it against the vampire backdrop it just makes it even more interesting and even more just fun it's a it's a yeah it's a a few things to hang off of it and so and so there are these moments that do make you do make you laugh um so and and they often come at the most unexpected moments so um so anton yelchin is um he plays sort of like the the helper yeah to to adam um played by tom hiddleston so he turns up with like guitars that he wants and anything that he needs yeah um it's the closest he has to a friend in the outside world um and um although there is this sort of like transactional thing between them you sense that there is this real sort of like attachment um there um at, at least as much as adam can have an attachment to someone other than eve um and so uh, uh unfortunately adam uh not adam um anton yolchin ian ian that's it ian i remember thinking that's a very strange name for a person from detroit <laughs> adam and um, ian adam and ian um ian ian unfortunately gets killed by ava uh played by uh mia Vosikovska. um and uh and and uh the sort of reaction is more of oh you silly woman yeah <laughs> why did you do this you numpty oh we've got to get rid of the body now and then they unceremoniously dump him in a like vat of acid <laughs> in the backup plant um yeah and uh and it's it, it's really funny and it shouldn't be but but there's something about how matter of fact they treat it this has happened time and time again yeah they're like they're they mildly annoyed with her and they throw her yeah. out of the house in the middle of the night but it's like it's all the yeah. Her character is hilarious. She's like the the sort of bratty younger sister, and obviously you think that because they're vampires and they live forever, and they she's lived for however many centuries that those kind of things would change. But it reminds you that as adults, I think those kind of dynamics often don't change no matter how old you get. Um, and they're yeah, so they're like talking about her, and they're being like, he's they're like, oh, I don't want to see her. She's such a drag. She's like she's like a, a child or whatever. And then she shows up. And she is very silly and she's like a child and she brings a real kind of light-hearted air to it that comes at just the right time, I think. But she also, I think, yeah. doesn't quite get enough screen time. Like, I actually wanted more of her character because it was funny. It, she was almost there just to serve the the point that um, Adam and Eve don't belong in this world. And that their, their sister is kind of well-adjusted to it because she doesn't mind eating someone, even if they're someone's friend. Yeah, and, and it sort of, it shows the sort of binary side of it in that she's clearly much happier in this world and she she's from LA um and and they they both have a severe aversion to Los Angeles 
um and and she's clearly much happier and gets on much better with it but at the same time she doesn't have that same sense of responsibility so um it's clear that she doesn't make sure that she she doesn't kill people for instance um which which they both do and they both take an awful amount of care to make sure that they're not found out um and so yeah there's this really interesting dynamic between they've managed to adjust in certain ways but they can't find happiness and they can't find full adjustment whereas if whereas she has managed to find adjustment but at the same time is reckless about her responsibilities yeah um and 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 that kind of friction really brings the film to life in its middle section i suppose yeah the the middle section is her showing up in detroit and then them she's the reason they have to run away because they've had to to throw the body in the acid and she's like does anything link him to you and he's like well yeah there are all these like fans of his music who actually know who he is and are always like have been outside his house and stuff so they have to flee so she provides that plot impetus but yeah she's also yeah she's she's an interesting case study of the the modern vampire as all three of them are but the 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 thing about them being good vampires and not wanting to eat people and to just drink the blood um, it's really interesting and it's never really explained how they arrived at that it's just kind of assumed that that's a thing that they've adjusted to in the modern world which again serves to make it dis- distant enough from a traditional vampire film but still close enough that it's a thing um, because he has to go to the doctor to get his bags of blood and the doctor is the guy um, Jeffrey Wright the guy from the Hunger Games he's one of the best people in the Hunger Games actually he's in the second and the third one you seen those films yeah I I yeah I've seen the Hunger Games. I really love Jeffrey Wright in general. He's magnificent in in Westworld if you've seen it. I have not. Um he's the best thing about it apart from Thandie Newton. The two of them really steal it from everybody else. Um and and yeah he's he's great and he's um my my favorite role of his though is that he plays Cuddly Whiskers in BoJack Horseman. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um and and it's like oh my god is that is that Jeffrey Wright because he's got such a recognizable voice. Um and then when he turned us like that, that can't be Jeffrey Wright. Surely they haven't been able to get Jeffrey Wright to be in Bojack. And lo and behold, they did. Um, and and he's great in this. And and it, his relationship with Adam is very much a a business based one. Yeah. Um, that it's it's like here's your blood, get out, you weirdo. Um, and 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 it's quite interesting to think about how they they reached that conclusion. And I suppose a lot of it might come down to. And, and and what's kind of hinted at is that they can't go around killing people anymore because it attracts too much tension. Um, and you kind of wonder, did they reach that point where they're like, it's it's not like a moral issue for them necessarily. It's more that it's easier for them to survive this way than it is another way. Yeah, it's just it's just a thing. It's a thing that they have to do because that's what vampires are like now. Um, sorry, I just have to pause for a moment to say that Jeffrey Wright is actually cancelled because he appeared in Quantum of Solace. <laughs> which is it's not he's appeared in multiple bond movies yeah but he appeared in quantum of solace <laughs> that's fine it's i forget one him. of the worst films ever made <laughs> that is definitely not hyperbole right there buddy no it's very true do you, um, do you want I to don't... know what quantum of solace's budget was what was its budget 200 million do you want to guess how much it took at the box office? I reckon it's got to have made it back, surely. Oh, yeah. It, it more than made it back. It made a lot, didn't it? Yeah. I should say, our previous our previous milestone for large box office takings was the Adam Sandler film Big Daddy, 
1999, if you remember, this took $234 million at the box office against a budget of $34 million. Quantum of Solace took more than double that. Oh, wow. Excellent. $586 million. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's a lot of money. <laughs> Although, to be fair, the budget was $200 million and Big Daddy's budget was $34 million, So, yeah, you know. Also, it's going to be controversial, I'm sure, but Quantum of Solace is a better movie and a more cohesive movie than Big Daddy. I I refuse to believe that. I think that's nonsense. (laughs) I haven't seen Big Daddy since 1999, so I'm going to have to um, park that one until until we get around to our Sandler Festival. (laughs) Oh, shit. Rob Schneider's in it. And it's, like, it's got the, the Spruce twins, one of whom is now a hunk on Riverdale, which is very strange. <laughs> um, oh, Steve Buscemi is homeless guy. What more could you want? What more could you want? Um, and and so so going back to um, going back to whatever our film is this this week. Only lovers left alive. Only Schneider's left alive. <laughs> Only Schneider's left alive. Um, I think there's some interesting parallels here with some of the other big vampire movies. Um, yeah, it reminded me of Twilight quite a lot. I mean, Twilight is the best vampire movie of all time. Yeah. Um, but but Interview with the Vampire, which, which, I mean, a lot of people say it's the best vampire movie ever made, and it's very hard to disagree with that. It's a phenomenal film. I don't believe I've seen um, it. it. It's really good. It's It's got um, fantastic performances across the board. Um, from from like its leads you've got brad pitt you've got tom cruise um and you've got kirsten dunst in one of her earliest performances all right um it's it's an amazing movie that that sort of travels between centuries and tells this story of these different um vampires it's based on an Anne rice novel yeah um the the Anne rice novel almost um and um and and it's a it's a fantastic movie and again that's got that kind of how do vampires choose to live? What's the structure of their society? Um, and and it kind of sets a template for it. Um, but Only Lovers Left Alive does things in a very different way. And the way that it almost shows the isolationist nature of vampirism is quite interesting. How it's all of these characters who, you know, they they they've known each other for centuries and they've drifted apart entirely. Yeah. And so they still come together every so often, but they 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 were very very separate individuals. And I think it's quite interesting the way that they did that. Yeah, and it's like she's never been to Detroit before, and he's showing her around and driving her around and being like, "Oh, here's Detroit, here's this, here's that, and whatever." And it's like, yeah, it doesn't matter if you're separated for decades or even centuries because you've got literally the an eternity before you, and that that sense of time, yeah, is something that comes across a lot in this film. Yeah, and um. It's it's quite interesting, I suppose. Is is the vampires are seen as one of these like quintessential horror monsters, and and you kind of think there's only so much you can do with them, and keep them interesting. Um, so you've got traditional vampires. I want to suck your blood. Blah blah. blah. I want to suck <laughs> your blood. <laughs> um, and then you've got you know you've got you've got sparkling vampires who who love high schoolers um and and you've got this sort of stories like interview with the vampire which which are very traditional in their nature but do things in an interesting way 
um or or the 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 director of interview with the vampire neil jordan went back and did his own take on it again a few years later um so actually it was only done the year before only lovers left alive a film called byzantium yeah um which i don't know if you've seen or know much about no i've heard of it i don't know much about it um it's it's a really interesting take on vampire lore and things like that um it it kind of follows follows a, a similar structure to interview with the vampire um but does it in a much different way and comes up with its own formula for how vampires are created and things like that it's a very interesting movie um i'd really recommend anybody watch it it's quite unique again but then i think that there's all of these attempts to kind of tell that vampire story and i think only lovers left alive does it in the most interesting way i've seen of trying to to humanize them and it's not a scary movie by any means um but it tries to develop that story in a way that no one's done before, I suppose. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds good. There's so much of this stuff that I has I haven't seen because I don't know, it's just not as I said, it's not stuff that I seek out. I I'm interested in vampire films and and stuff like that. I just yeah, I'd never I don't get around to it, you know? Yes, yeah. So I'm in yeah, I'm enjoying this very, very much. I was just um on Jarmish's Wikipedia, it seems like his next film is a comedy zombie film. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's called <laughs> The Dead Don't Die. It doesn't it doesn't have a release date yet, but they're filming it right now. Um it stars Adam Driver, Bill Murray, Selena Gomez, Steve Buscemi, Tilda Swinton, and Tom Waits as Hermit Bob. Oh, Tom Waits. <laughs> That's my impression you, of Tom Waits. You can't get better than Tom Waits, can you? He is fantastic. Um, I I love him in everything, and I actually really love him as an actor. He he turns up every so often in stuff, and you're like, oh, it's Tom Waits. Yeah, hang on. and he's always captivating. Is that Tom Waits? Yeah, he's a, he's in every film somewhere. <laughs> every movie somewhere yeah. he turns up. Blink and you'll miss him. But you know, Twilight and uh, one one of the vampires standing behind Michael Sheen when he does his maniacal laugh. You're like, is that Tom Waits? Never mind, it's <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> Blink and you miss it, moment. Yeah. Tom Waits' Wikipedia page has a whole section on lawsuits. Oh, really? Yeah. Has he, has he got involved in a lot of lawsuits? <laughs> Waits filed his first lawsuit in 1988 against Frito-Lay crisps. <laughs> what did they do? They had what did... They had approached him to use one of his songs as an advert, which he declined. He's like really anti his music ever being used for advertising, which is fair enough. There's a Frito Lay hired a Waits sounder like to sing a jingle similar to one of his songs. Ah. Ooh. Wa- Don't do that. Waits won the lawsuit, becoming one of the first artists to successfully sue a company for using an impersonator without permission. Because you hear this in like in um like jingles and stuff, don't you? You think oh, that sounds familiar, but just different enough to like a Justin Bieber song to not be plagiarism, but it definitely is. Yeah. So hmm, fair play to him. Yeah, well done. I li- I like that. I like a I like an artist who stands by his work and is like, you don't get to touch my stuff. Yeah. It, it seems he's very protective of his work, which I guess is um, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's fair enough, and I think people should be able to um, protect their work and and only allow it to be used in certain circumstances i know that there's been a few people who have been annoyed at prince's estate for saying that they don't want donald trump to use any of his songs um and it's like well no if they don't want the music to be 
used by a politician. I think that's completely fair enough. Yeah, absolutely. Like that, it could be used for very nefarious ends, and that, if that's the case, yeah, it's like the, how David Cameron claims to like the Smiths, and they've all told him to fuck off. <laughs> Though nowadays, Morrissey, I yeah. Don't know. No, that even Morrissey wouldn't wouldn't acknowledge David Cameron. I'm sure if UKIP wanted to, he'd be fine with it. But, oh yeah, he'd be all over it. Yeah, but it was one of the few things that united the Smiths post breakup is their dislike of David Cameron. <laughs> <laughs> That's impressive. Well, that was that was a long time ago, though. Or should I say, it was probably only three or four years ago, but it feels like a lifetime ago. It feels like a very long time ago, doesn't it? Cameron's Britain. <sighs> Morrissey was just I a bit racist that. instead of a complete, <laughs> a complete, absolute racial maniac. I remember when the Conservative Party changed their logo to a tree and were all like, we love green energy. Yeah. And then like at the first chance they got, they gutted all of it. Hashtag greenest government ever. Oh, look, let's let's do some fracking now. Lol. Yeah. Get as much fracking in as possible. Cut all of the subsidies to um, renewable energies. <laughs> Uh, let's kill our renewables in a, industry, which was the fastest growing in the world. And ki- um, yeah, well done, guys. And kill some cows while we're at it. I mean, they do love killing cows. Yeah. That's because fr- fracking kills cows. Jacob Rees-Mogg, every Sunday, after church, obviously, yeah, yeah, puts on his wellies, goes down the nearest field, hacks or cuts off a cow's head, <laughs> and then brings it home, and brings it home. And Sunday roast, yeah. cow head. <laughs> it's like a desperate Dan, cow pie. It's like that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Reese Mogg family tradition. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, as long as we're talking about interviews with vampires, I saw a good one with Jacob Reese Mogg the other day. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Such a thing does not exist, a good interview with Jacob Reese Mogg. No, it does not. But when I say good, I mean it was very bad. And that he and that he is a definite vampire. He he is. He if one person was gonna be a vampire, yeah. It would be him, wouldn't it? Either that or like a ghost that can't leave a haunted manor. <laughs> yeah. And how how do you, you release the ghost? How do you get it into the afterlife and give it its closure? Brexit. Brexit. <laughs> <laughs> He's the Brexit ghost. <laughs> <laughs> the ghost of Brexit past. Yeah, he's just like haunting Parliament until we leave the EU and then he's going to finally be able to move on to the afterlife. That's exactly, that's exactly right. Either the, <laughs> the afterlife or his constituency of rural Somerset. You choose. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. If he were um, in um, Only Lovers Left Alive, he'd be what, he'd be mentioned like for a second by both of them, and they both go like, "Oh, let's not talk about our horrible British cousin. Oh, he's the worst." Ugh. That's exactly it, wouldn't it? I don't think you'd find find him going down to a cool um, noise rock bar in Detroit, would you? No, to to see a real band called White Hills. Yes, yeah. I thought that was a nice touch. I think the authenticity behind the musical side of it is really good. And it's kind of what you expect from this director. Yeah. But um, th- there is this realness to it and kind of this embracing of of music as an art form, which I really, really liked. Um, that dedication to all of the different um, guitars and amps and everything like that that you see in his studio. 
is i don't know as as a fellow guitarist paddy i, I really loved seeing all of the, all of that kind of stuff embraced in a film i absolutely in a, loved in an it. authentic way like the first 10 to 15 minutes of this film was basically guitar porn and I'm not, <laughs> it like, is yeah it really is. i think if you're not into guitars it actually might be a bit alienating but to us it's like hey yeah yeah bring it on yeah it's, i want to see it's, it's really great tom hiddleston sensually feeling vintage guitars yes i am here for this <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's great and and like you see all of these like fascinating classic guitars and you're just like wow okay this is amazing um and and so often movies even movies that are supposed to be about music pay lip service to what it's like to really be into music um and this is the complete opposite and it's like yeah we fucking love music here's a fucking 10 minute close-up of an old (laughs) amp get with it you bastards or get out yeah and i really um, love how how much it just goes down that rabbit hole and yeah what's interesting about it is how it it sort of it throws in a lot of literary illusions but to try and tell you that like it's clever and he's read books and stuff but like it doesn't do that with the music even though the music is so integral to it it doesn't trade upon anyone else's music but the you know oh, there, there are a couple of moments where there's a really good moment actually the first i think it's the first time he's kind of you see him let slip that he might be a vampire where he talks about how he saw some famous person play this guitar uh, it, was, it was like Chuck Berry or someone. He's like, oh yeah, so Chuck. Yeah, Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Cochran. Cochran isn't it? Yeah, he saw Eddie Cochran. He's like, oh, I saw Eddie Cochran play this, and he's like, what? You saw Eddie Cochran play? Yeah, on, on YouTube. And you're like, ah, I get it, because <laughs> he's a vampire and he was actually there, but he think he's young. But um, but other than that, it doesn't try too hard to trade off of other people's music or musical names or whatever. It doesn't perform its musicality and its discography by you know by telling you how many records jim jarmusch has it actually he creates a lot of real original music for it and what is seen as um, the character adam's music actually then blurs with the soundtrack and kind of becomes one with it and it's really really effective because it really fits the kind of music that someone in that position would make and that that side of it really really worked for me even though a lot of the music was actually not that pleasant to listen to some of it was quite droning and quite atonal and and jagged and spiky, you know, but it, it did what it needed to do. Yeah, and, and I really love the soundtrack, but that's exactly the kind of stuff that I love, the weird droney atonal nonsense. Um, and like, I, I, I love that they, they played a less well-known um, Black Cribble Motorcycle Club song in one of the in one of the scenes. And I was like, oh, oh really? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So in the, the music that's playing in the background in the bar, is is something off the first Black Rebel Motorcycle Club album? Ah, right. Um, I did. I and, didn't um, pick up on that. And 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 what you said about it all tying together ties in really well because it all ties into that kind of shoegaze noise rock kind of experimentalism. You'd be quite. I don't know if you know the band Boris, the Japanese experimental band. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it all kind of feels like that, and you quite imagine that kind of scene just being at one with this movie. Um. And and it's a really it's really strange to see that portrayed in a film, but it's really nice in a way, and and it fits so well with the characters involved. Yeah, so much so that I think that Boris might all be Japanese vampires. Yeah, you never hear about Japanese vampires, do you? No, you don't. Um, aren't I think those Japanese vampires aren't they the ones that sort of jump moving forward? There's a specific name for them. Yeah, yeah, they they kind of swoop on you. Yeah, um, you better fucking watch out. Those guys are tough. <laughs> they are. Um, 
get yeah watch out for it yeah and and like jarmish is a musician himself like he's made albums and stuff so you get the feeling that with making this film he's really collaborative with all the people who make the soundtrack it's not just a here's a film i've hired a guy to do the soundtrack here's vaguely what i want send me some stuff blah 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 you get the feeling it's very very involved for him which is great and like he um so you got yasmin hamdan who appears in the film towards the end who is lebanese um she's a famous musician there and she she contributed to her bit and there's um there's a he's got like a lute player called joseph van wissom and it seems like he his um his compositions well the um the wikipedia says that his compositions form the core of the film's oral aesthetic and it was weird how throughout the film there's all this kind of noise rock stuff going on but there is also this lute going on underneath it and sort of combining with it just to remind you that these guys are fucking old yeah yeah and that's completely right there's all these different elements tied into it um to really give it that kind of ageless quality and it and it works unbelievably well like and it and it all ties in so well to the way that the film looks and the way that the film feels and the way that the the plot sort of like sort of dawdles its way towards its conclusion um it all feels really good i know that's not the most eloquent way of putting it but it does yeah it's really good yeah yeah, it's well good, yeah. Yeah. It's it's funny because he's an emo who won't dance. <laughs> and Tilda Swinton wants to dance with him and he won't dance. She puts on the record and she dances and he, he doesn't want to dance. He does not. No. But I think um, all of this stuff is good, but ultimately it is a very slow and near plotless film. And thus it, it needs to be carried by its performances and it is. I think if it if it was different lesser lesser actors, it actually would not be good at all. Yeah, I I think you're completely right about that. You, you needed people with charisma and people with who were able to bring some kind of energy to it, um, and they all do in their own different ways, don't they? And everyone's performances feel very different, which is nice. Um, but it's yeah, it's, you've got sort of I don't know. I can't think of someone who I think would be more likely to be an ageless vampire in hollywood than tilda swift absolutely not it's um, the role she was born brilliant. to play um and and like I, I don't know if you saw about the suspiria remake but she's now revealed that she also played a really old man in suspiria <laughs> excellent um which was everyone had billed it as this newcomer who'd never acted before and and a few people were like wait is that just tilda swinton wearing a load of prosthetics and and eventually she just was like yeah that was me and so she's she's like double cast in the film one as a really old man um and it's like that that's like the most tilda swinton thing ever that is brilliant um and and she's she's fantastic like, um just when just when you think you, she can't get better you find out something like that and you just think yeah she's killing it yeah. so i just googled her and the top news story <laughs> so the headline in the guardian is well at least you've got to admire tilda swinton's balls <laughs> which is a very good headline that's just oh yeah true. there she is as an old dude wow that is incredibly convincing it is yeah that is very good um and so yeah I, she's she's fantastic in this film as she always is of course she's like i don't think i've seen anything with her in where she hasn't been one of the standout performers if not the standout performer um and but but that's kind of doing a disservice to everybody else as well because um tom hiddleston is is great in this 
um he's got that kind of ageless quality and um i always think that tom hiddleston does is at his best when he's in something a little smaller and something a little bit more thoughtful yeah um, i think this is one of his best performances that i've that i've seen for sure yeah this is up there with um he's in high rise the jg ballard adaptation um which is which is really good and he's fantastic in that as well i've not seen that um it's it's again it's very strange and very sort of atmosphere over plot a bit like the the book really it'd be very hard to make a narrative driven adaptation of 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 high rise um and and he's great in that um and and then like but he he always has this kind of unique quality to him which i think is why so many people like him so like even when he's in something ridiculous like um like the thor movies or or kong skull island where he's the lead actor in that yeah um he always brings something a little bit different to the table um and and it always sort of i think it feels better when it's something where uh, it allows him to smolder a little bit more um much like this film yeah and he's definitely he's really into it you can tell he must have spent ages just kind of moping around method acting getting into the role and just like playing guitar and kind of sitting around it seems like an enjoyable role to get into actually yeah yeah i mean i'd i'd love it just hit me up with that little studio (laughs) that would be me set for the rest of my life i'm sad for you that this film was made before they could cast you in it it's true yeah i mean i don't think anyone wants to see me walking around shirtless with long hair let's be honest but um (laughs) in a dressing gown in a dressing gown (laughs) um but yeah it's it's really he he fits it perfectly he's really good And, and then obviously um I mean, you've got Anton Yelchin, Mia Vazakovska, who's also really good, Jeffrey Wright, John Hurt as well. Yeah. John Hurt is very John Hurt, obviously. He's very John Hurt, yeah. His voice is so, yeah, just so evocative. He's dead, isn't he, John Hurt? He is, yeah. Was last year, I think. Last year. Oh, yeah. January 2017. I feel like he had a good run. Yeah, and so many like iconic performances as well. Yeah. Alien, Elephant Man, 1984. Indiana Jones 4, Kingdom <laughs> of the Crystal Skull. <laughs> I, have, I haven't seen that. Don't. <laughs> is it very silly? It is quite bad, yes. Crystal Space Zombies. And I've got no problem with Aliens. It's just the rest of it's a bit, I don't know, it all feels a bit dire. It does have your main boy in it. Who's that? Harrison Ford. <laughs> your main boy, Harrison Ford. <laughs> he's he's a young boy. I'll give you a hint. Don't let your dreams be dreams. Oh, my main man, my main Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's in Indiana Jones. What? He is. He's in the fourth one. He plays Indiana Jones' um, illegitimate love child. What? I did and not And he's like a that. 1950s biker boy. That is ridiculous. Yeah. I did not know that. <laughs> Oh shit, dog! He's on the poster. He is on the poster. Yeah, they, there, there was lots of hints at the time that they were planning to sort of reinvent Indiana Jones and allow him to take over, but everyone hated him so much that they kind of axed it. Oh, I think that would have been hilariously bad. They should have done it. <laughs> all um, of the like top search results on Google for Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull images are all of Harrison Ford, just like with a really confused face holding a crystal skull and it looks a bit like he's just re- he's just like 
spent a lot of money on a Damien Hirst artwork only to realise that it's absolutely fucking rubbish. I like to think that's what everybody thinks when they finally get their hands on a piece of his work. <laughs> yeah. They realise that it it looks like shit. It looks like shit, but it's it's got to be good because it looks like it's shit and then you realise it's actually just shit. It's got to be good because it's worth something. Yeah, exactly. It's it's made of crystals, and crystals are expensive. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. as is formaldehyde. I guess you can't buy that in any old shop, can you? You can't. No. Yeah. Did you see that um, Banksy did a good art of late? I know lots of people have been hating on him for it, but for the sheer level of trolling, I kind of love it. But. No, I hate it. I think it's shit. It's because it's like he wants, that's what he wants you to think. But ultimately he still gets the money and people still think that he's a really serious artist. So he's just like, nah, I think Banksy's a total joke. I hate does, him. Does, does it does it help that I've never really bought into the whole love fest for him? Yeah, of course. And so, so I love that he's kind of, you know, pissing people off in that way. I'd just like to imagine the person who ended up winning that auction, like going fucking mental and being really angry it's like what has this happened i wanted a banksy but hasn't the value of it gone up because of oh the yeah art? i'm sure yeah. it has because the art world is ridiculous but just for that brief moment of sheer anger i think it's that that's pretty funny exactly so he's trying to troll the thing but it's completely backfired on him because its value has only gone up surely well it was that was always going to happen wasn't it because art is stupid yeah, yeah. first if you like art get out if you like art you <laughs> have are, no art here you are wasting your time the only <laughs> art we like is pictures of dogs playing poker or sad clowns oh hell yeah i am so here for dogs playing poker dogs playing poker and like pictures like a black and white photo of some guys sitting on a girder that's what i like <laughs> that's what i like um, speaking of art, we did. We went to the Van Gogh Museum in um, in Amsterdam, and it was really, really good. Yeah, and and seeing all the sorts of different eras that he went through over such a short amount of time, it's really fascinating. If if you do like art, not shit art. If you like shit art, get out. If you like <laughs> good art, stick around. Yeah, if you like go- Damien Hirst and Banksy, go away. <laughs> I think what I find interesting about Banksy is like you look at his sort of graffiti stuff and it's like, oh, yeah, that's all right, fine. But then the moment that people started thinking, oh, this guy is a greater artist than your normal protest artist, I think that's where the problem sort of started arising. Yeah. Because there's all sorts of protest art and graffiti art that's just as good, but doesn't get anywhere near the same amount of hype yeah or stupid documentaries made it's there's just as much stuff that isn't trite bollocks <laughs> um but i i do like that the simpsons hired him to do a, an intro and his intro basically criticized the symptoms for hiring um foreign um animators and paying them hardly any money to make their show it's fair that was enough. quite good um but yeah, but then again, The Simpsons kind of probably were quite happy with it because it was still like, hey, Banksy made our intro. And then loads of people tuned into The Symptoms and then stopped watching it immediately afterwards because nobody's actually watched The Simpsons no. since 2005. Of course not. You know, I was, I just, I was going to say, I, I doesn't mean to say that I hate all modern art, which is not true. But most of it is shit. 
<laughs> I don't agree with that. I think there's a I think there's a real place in modern art, and a lot of it is able to be evocative yeah. in a way that that other art can't be. Um, but yeah, I, some of it is I don't know. I don't, I I don't want a diamond encrusted fucking skull. That's stupid. <laughs> it really is stupid. It is bollocks. It is. It is bollocks. Yeah. Um, like I said, sad clowns, dogs playing poker, weird portraits of all of the Republican presidents sitting around a table laughing. Yep. <laughs> Have you seen that? Have you seen that? Yeah. 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 Um, any poster that takes like um, a record album cover and puts like political figures in it. I'm here for that. I mean, political cartoons, the ultimate form of art, yeah. particularly where you can't um, work out what its message is without someone writing actual words over every element of it to show what it represents. It doesn't matter because it's got like Theresa May as Darth Vader or some shit. <laughs> there's, there's a dragon and underneath the dragon, someone's written government <laughs> and then there's a knight and underneath they've written freedom from tyranny. And 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 on the shield, it's Donald Trump, and it's got Savior written oh. underneath. That that's the ultimate form of art. Oh my and, god! You know, you can't you can't even argue against that, can you? That, so that many layers of, of meaning. <laughs> All right, it's Boris Johnson, and he's got like a big bare bottom, and he's doing a poo, and it says Brexit. One hundred percent real, accurate. Yep, truth. That is all, all political cartoons. <laughs> So I was just looking at artists I like, and it's a quite a recent thing. The Tate is displaying rarely seen work by Jenny Holzer, and it's free to the public. You are of Jenny Holzer? I yeah, it's I think so. The big like yeah. billboard art things. The fam- yeah. famous one says, "Protect me from what I want." She's very good, and I have a lot of time for her artwork. And it seems like there's some of her rare stuff in the Tate right now. I might have to go and see that. Oh, that's cool. That is very cool. So that's some relatively that- modern art that I like. I mean, she's nearly 70, but still. Still, Damien Hurst must be getting on now. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? Yeah. Okay, welcome to Let's Hate on Damien Hurst cast. <laughs> That's every single episode of this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> At some point, you always bring it up. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, Damien Hurst is rubbish. Jim Jarmusch is very good. Yeah. I am a newly converted fan, and it has made me want to go and look through some of the rest of his films, which I think is a very good sign. Um, that is a good sign, yeah. Yeah, I'm a fan. Not a stan, but a fan. Yeah, you. There, there's potential to become a stan. Yeah, if I like his earlier, if I like his earlier work, for sure. Um, so, and so, he seems like one of those people. He has his people. Like Tilda Swinton's one of his people, and it seems like recently him and Adam Driver are becoming big mates, which is good because I like Adam Driver a lot. I feel like, yeah, I feel like he's a force for good. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think so. And there's always something a little bit interesting as well. Yeah, for sure. This film, this film was super interesting. I think it was it was quite long and slow, and it did drag just a tiny bit, and it being plotless is a potential... Not plotless, but near plotless. It could be a potential issue. Like, I don't know that I'm going to rush to watch this again, but I would watch it again, maybe, like, a couple of years' time, a couple of years down the line. Um yeah, it was, it was good. I enjoyed it. it. It's slow. It's pretentious in a way, but it's pretentious in a good way. And there are very few films that you can say that about, you know? Like yeah, it's, it's pretentious it's just in the a right playful level. way. It, 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 like, it understands what it is. 
um, this isn't um, mother, for instance. Yes. Mother, mother. Um, it's oh! not that. <laughs> mother. Um, it's 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 oh. not that. It... <laughs> it's, it's not it's an- antichrist. It's not antichrist. There's no fox saying God is dead or whatever the fuck it is that it's just in that movie. Um, Chaos reigns. That's what it says, isn't it? It turns turns around and says chaos reigns. I've read up about that. Apparently the film's about misogyny. Who'd have thought? Yeah. Still shit. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You come here for in-depth film chat. This is what you get. (laughs) Shit. Film's well shit, bruv. I think we we've given Lars von Trier enough airtime to be reasonably informed enough to say that his work is total bullshit. <laughs> he he's the, he's um the Damien Hirst of film. I I'd, I'd actually agree with that. Yeah, I'd say in terms of what they do and that kind of controversy that they caught, they they work in very similar ways, don't they? Yeah. Um so um have you got anything else you want to say about old only lovers um just at the very last scene the way it ends is very abrupt but it really made me laugh for some reason i think that's the way um basically at the at the end of the film marlo has died from drinking contaminated blood oh yeah that's it the reason that they don't drink blood from people is because it's contaminated is that right or there's there's something there isn't there they're getting their blood from the doctors because if they just purer yeah because uh, they were saying that um, <laughs> when uh, when when uh, when the sister's character gets um, gets sick after drinking Ian, it's like, well, he's in the music industry. What did you expect <laughs> to happen? <laughs> yeah, which is very good, very funny. But yeah, in the end, they're they're both they're running out of energy because they haven't had any blood and they can't find any because Marlo's dead. And um, they decide they're going to have to eat some people. And there it is. So they approach a young couple kissing on a bench after um, after chatting a bit. And he's playing a is it a, a mandolin? A, a, a lute I think so. Or yeah. that, that she yeah. got a lute thing that she got him as a as a present, which is quite lovely. And then um, they they have a little little bit of a chat. And they sort of muse on the world and they're like, well, nothing to do for it but to survive. And it's like they decide to survive and to live, which is the main thing. There's a the whole thing. You've been like, is he going to shoot himself with a bullet and he, the wooden bullet and he doesn't do it, which is good. So they decide they're going to live. And then they approach this young couple. And then it's seen from the couple's point of view. And Tilda Swinton just like looks in and she goes, excusez-moi. And then like, the fangs <laughs> appear. And then that's just it. The, the way she said that in French just really, really tickled me for some reason. It really yeah, made me chuckle. Yeah. And and they knew what they were doing with that. I think there's the like I said before, there's this real playfulness to this film that I really like. Yeah. Um it would be very easy to make a film like this incredibly dour and introspective, but they there's enough energy in it at times and enough fun yeah. to really sort of like pick it up when it's getting a little bit sort of down, if you know what I mean. And they didn't need to show any any of the um any of the gruesome vampire bitey action at all to make it work, which is great because again, it's not about that. Yes, yeah, exactly. And you know, again, I I, I said this about it follows, which had a much smaller budget, but still, it made seven million go quite a long way. I think actually. Yeah, and and I think getting the 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 cast members that they did, I think that'll really that really made the difference and it's worth it's it it's worth it for a film like this i think to get in people who are perfect for those roles yeah for sure 
Interestingly, um, I was just reading about the production. Is it that Michael Fassbender was originally signed on? That yes, been, that yeah. would have been interesting. I think, he's, I think I think he could have done it. I think he's. I think good. he'd have been a good fit as well. Yeah. Um, I wonder why he dropped out. What what took its place in his yeah. his library of films? It seemed like it took a little bit of time to get it off the ground. So yes, I wonder whether it was. Let's see, what was he in that came out around twenty thirteen? If it was Assassin's Creed, then <laughs> absolutely. It was, in, lol. it was in Prometheus, so maybe it was Prometheus that took up that time. Ah, oh, okay. Um, yeah, maybe that was twenty twelve. So maybe that was kind of part of it. Um, speaking of of Michael Fassbender, something that I rewatched recently is the adaptation of Macbeth that he's in. Have you seen that? I have not. It is probably my favorite Shakespeare adaptation. Oh, interesting. When, when it was feels, it made? So it was back in 2015 um, by the guy who went on to direct Assassin's Creed. Um, and um, and it's it's really good. Um, uh. Him, Marion Cotillard. It's, uh, it's fantastic. Feels very different. Very artistic. I did not even know this existed. I completely missed this. It's great. It's great. Yeah. I highly recommend it. If oh, you like your Shakespeare. Todd Luizzo's in it. Um, thingy from Dick from High Fidelity. Oh, yes. Yeah. No way. I've never seen him in anything. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's, got a, it's got a really good uh, cast in it. David Thewlis turns up. Wow. Um, Professor Lupin. Yeah. My main Paddy werewolf. Considine. Oh, he, see, he's someone who, share, who is also a Paddy who is good. There aren't many of those. What are you chatting about? What yeah. wrong Paddies are there? Paddy McGuinness. Excuse me, Paddy McGuinness. <laughs> he's he's my number two Paddy behind you. Really? Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm, I'm just. I've had to work very, very hard just to edge a guy whose career has basically consisted of being on a show with like thirty women either side of him, going, "Let the thing that's like a cock see the thing that's <laughs> like a fanny." Yeah. <laughs> Let the boob see the penis. <laughs> I mean, Take Me Out might well have degenerated to that by the end of its run. <laughs> is Take Me Out still a thing? I think no. it's still a thing. Uh, going yeah. to the island of Fernando, which is not an <laughs> island of Fernando. <laughs> no, it's it's an island for Nando's. <laughs> island full of Nando's. Yeah. Um, I, I really love Take Me Out, not going to lie. No, no it's... Quite... it's, it's brilliantly vulgar isn't it it's yeah and it and it's not like it's it's not the worst example of that kind of thing either um so i'm i'm fully on board with take me out it's a it's a fun dumb show it's exactly the kind of that it's the entertainment that britain is built on yeah exactly (laughs) for better or worse that's where our culture truly lies it's a british institution yeah, you know, nothing. You know, you can take your Shakespeare, get rid of it. Yeah. Beatles, fuck off. Yeah, so there were... Houses of Parliament, <laughs> Big Ben, get the fucking in the bin. Britain is 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 summed up by Paddy McGuinness saying, "Let the banana see the cherries." <laughs> yeah, British institutions. You know, Paddy McGuinness. He's he's up there with you know, pork pies, Big Ben, and xenophobia. Yeah. <laughs> It's uh, yeah, yeah, bingo, exactly right. Classic. 
<laughs> what what other bad Paddy? Well, I don't know. Paddy. People seem to have still mentioned Paddy Ashdown a lot. Like more hey. more often than you would think. As a man who ate a hat on live television. I'm typing famous people called Paddy right. to see who else you're up against. But Paddy Considine's a good one. Now, Paddy Ashdown does turn up pretty pretty high on the list. Actually, that surprises me. Yeah. Who else is there? Have you found any any good ones? A uh, baseball player called Paddy Driscoll. Oh. Does he, does he play for the Red Sox by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> he is a baseball player and an American football player. Apparently. Oh, wow. And then... He was in, inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1965. Wow. Good man. Pro- a professional boxer called Paddy Ryan. And, yeah, see as well, you've also got Paddy Power, which I know is not a person... But it's still a thing that people say to me, and it still is very irritating. Also, the Irish Bookmakers was founded in 1988, the same year I was born. And their, and oh, their CEO is called Peter Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> me and me and Peter, the, we go Peter way Jackson? back. <laughs> You've got Paddy Kenny, who's a, a goalkeeper. Is that a, a football man? He's a football man, a soccer man, not yeah. an American football A soccer man. baller. Soccer baller. Paddy McGuinness. Paddy McGuinness is on this list. Oh, oh um, Paddy McAloon, the bloke from Prefab Sprout. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm down with him. He's He's gone a bit mad these days. Long long beard, making really cool, interesting music. Oh, right, okay. Is he a vampire? He might well be a vampire, yeah. There's I would, a, not, would not be surprised. There's a race car driver called Paddy Driver <laughs> from the 50s and 60s. <laughs> um, that That's that's a good name to have. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I feel okay with it. Again, it's the thing where there's only one, two or three kind of go-tos and then that's it. You know, it's 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 an okay name in that sense. Yeah, you're all right. Yeah. In terms of Roberts, we've only got winners like Robert Mugabe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, there are a lot of bad Roberts out there. <laughs> Famous people called Robert. If Robert Mugabe oh, no. is on top of the list. <laughs> Robert Smith. Robert Smith, he's a good one. Robert Redford. Oh, yeah. Rob Lowe. Ro- Robert Pattinson. Oh, no. Actually, sorry. This I don't know what this reveals about my Google cookies or whatever, but when I type the, the, top, ro- the top thing is a, a thing on IMDb called Sexy Actors Named Robert. <laughs> <laughs> I think I guess it must be because the last time we were here I searched um, on IMDb I searched the 15 sexiest horror films or whatever oh right okay now you want to look you you haven't just been searching sexy Robert in your sexy Robert yeah Um, so yeah we've got Robert Downey Jr Bob Dylan Robert De Niro we're we're including Bob's are we because I, I, I think that's that that's like if I were allowed to do that, I should be allowed the kingdom of Pats and Patricks as well. Oh, that's... I think you should be allowed Pats yeah. and Patricks. But okay, so so we'll rule out Bob. So we've got Robert Redford, Robert Duval, yeah. um, Robert, Robert Pattinson. Plant. <laughs> Sorry, on this IMDb page at the bottom, it's got Facebook comments and there's a, there's a random guy called Robert McKay has written in, cap- in caps lock, you forgot one, me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, people are so stupid. <laughs> I love it. Um, Robert Carlyle, Robert Johnson, the the blues musician, 
one of my faves. Um, I, I'm disappointed that there's no um, Robert Mugabe on this list yet. To be no. honest with you, I've got one that's got Robert Mugabe in it, and it's also got Robert E. Lee, the, <laughs> right, the okay. Confederate general. Oh, so Robert Mugabe good, has now turned Robert. up in my list. Yeah, that's impressive. Robert Frost. Robert Smith has finally turned up on mine. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Rob Ford. <laughs> God, I love Rob Ford. The man who um, did did not smoke crack cocaine. <laughs> did not smoke crack cocaine. Um, right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it there. Have you got anything <laughs> yeah. else you want to talk about? No. About, uh, I think this uh, should be a regular feature. <laughs> famous people don't... called names. Yeah. A few a few Roberts each week. <laughs> oh dear. Wait, just um, one more. Robert Goulet. <laughs> <laughs> Who I literally only know because of that one bit in The Simpsons. <laughs> oh, Vera <dear>. said that? What's <laughs> so good about The Simpsons is that like you don't even have to know who Robert Goulet is for that to be funny. It's true, yeah. Genius. Not anymore, obviously. No, no. Yeah. I, Ooh, um, <laughs> sorry, go on. <laughs> I was just going to say I wish I had a mustache like that, but you know that that kind of doesn't. You, uh, you could you could grow one. I could, yeah. I could. I, I I'm not sure how well it would go down with anybody in my life <laughs> if I suddenly turned up oh, with a mustache. It would go down very well with me. Oh, there we go. It's the most important thing. But I've got one going on myself as well. Now I need I need company. Oh, there we go. Although I'm going for the mustache on top, and then like light stubble on the rest so it's not mustache and clean shaven it's a slightly different look i guess long tash yeah you know movember's coming up it is yeah you ever done movember no i i hate having facial hair so i i I sort of tried it for a little bit and then i i couldn't stand it any longer yeah see i just don't want to shave it off i i can't be i hate being clean shaven well I actually i haven't been clean shaven in forever so i can't remember what it feels like I, say, like I can't remember the last time you didn't have some kind of facial hair yeah that's because it was probably yeah 10 years ago yeah. probably yeah so i'm not doing it i'm just gonna have my tash and then people are gonna think i'm doing november but i'm not actually doing november if you wear a, you should wear like a bald patch over your face at the beginning and then, like the next day, just take it off and be like, "I've got a beard now." <laughs> yeah, wear one of those creepy, like bald people masks. So bald on top as well. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, you're going to work dressed as Tom Waits. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear! Right, okay. So, out of how many out of twenty for this movie, and what uh, out of twenty? Let's see how many vintage guitars do you have in your home in Detroit? Yeah. I'm going to go for a 15 here. Um, I like this movie a lot, but I recognize that it is not for everybody. Um, And I think a lot of people might come out of it feeling a bit frustrated and be like, what was this rubbish that they sent us to watch? (laughs) Um, But but I really, really like it. I think it's a really clever movie. It does a lot to show vampires in a different way. And it's got a creeping comedy behind it that people might not initially expect from it, which I really like. And I think the comedy really, really helps to make it enjoyable. I think if it was very po-faced, you'd come out of it being like, oh, yeah, whatever, we get it, come on. But, like, yeah, the, the the comic elements of it really, really work and blend in well with what is overall uh, slow but well-paced 
pretentious in a fun way vampire film. You know, you can't argue with that. But yeah, most of the people I, I spoke to, or said, uh, we were watching this for the podcast, a lot of people who'd seen it just said, oh, it's boring, or it was dull, or it was long. And none of them were incensed about it. But I don't think I spoke to anyone who really loved it, which is oh. interesting. But well, um, I have. I um, I very much enjoyed it. I will I will go for a 15 as well. There oh, we go. excellent. Yeah, we're on the same page. That is genuinely what I was thinking. I'm not just like picking the same thing as you in a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, have I the did. milk steak. Yeah. Ugh, what the fuck is a milk steak? <laughs> From, um... Is that like milk loaf? From Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Charlie likes milk milk steak with jelly beans or whatever it is. Yeah. So I, was, I was just think of the rum ham. <laughs> rum ham. And um, fight milk. And fight milk, yeah. Fight milk is, is... is And is it... What do they call it? Like go juice? Go juice? Yeah, where it's like... It's grain alcohol with... um with like Gatorade, blue Gatorade or something like that. <laughs> I don't know if I've seen that. Oh, riot juice. Riot juice, that's it. Yeah, yeah, riot punch, riot juice. Yeah. I need to get back into it. Always Sunny. I'm still about maybe two or three seasons behind. I haven't watched it in ages. But it is some of the funniest shit. Yeah, I've um I've watched all of it now apart from the most recent series. Um which I think is now finished. I think they've finished the most recent one now um but yes it, uh, our, our semi-regular recommendation to go and watch always sunny in philadelphia yeah it's it's great um so yeah have, have you got any other business or shall we move on to what we've got planned next no i i, I think i think i'm all good i think i've i think i've jamushed out so next we've got one of the greatest movies of all time a a masterclass in horror and That's... in romance. Um, what what is this wonderful film? Goes down in history books as one of the best films of all time. Um, it is the <laughs> smashed often, it at the box office. Often entirely forgotten 2011 movie Red Riding Hood. Who is in this wonderful film? So Red Riding this has, Hood. Dare I ask? This has Amanda Seyfried. Um, friend, friend of the podcast friend Amanda of the Seyfried. podcast Amanda Seyfried uh, and Gary Oldman and it is a Twilight-esque retelling of the Red Riding Hood story um, yeah. because we cannot get enough of those sexy wolf boys no wolf boys for life wolf boys for life yeah it, it sounds extremely sexy it is the greatest movie of all time yep I'm very very much looking forward to seeing it and obviously I've seen it before obviously i have seen it loads of times because it's the best film ever but it never gets old you know it's true yeah definitely want to watch it again yeah it's definitely not a shit piece (laughs) (laughs) don't say that it might be amazing it might be amazing i'm I'm saying it's not i'm saying it's as far from a shit piece as as far from it as possible i i i have seen it before but i will keep my opinions on it tightly under wraps until next week's episode you've actually seen it before i have actually seen it before yes wow all right fair play i i have not (laughs) anyway yeah so that'll be our next movie excellent cool well i i don't think i have anything else to say so as always thank you very much for tuning in we really really appreciate it and if you haven't watched only lovers left alive go watch it that's good i highly recommend it yeah get on it it's cool and i um 
if you if you want to get in touch with us uh, on Twitter at Big Boys Don't Pod, email us Big Boys Don't Cry Podcast at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. Um, you know, leave us a rating or a review, and you know, do take into account the fact that we don't have sponsors. We don't do this for money. You know, you, you you're just getting you know an hour and whatever of pure unadulterated chat. No annoying ringtones, and then someone coming in to tell you about Hello Fresh or any of that bullshit. Squarespace. Yeah. yeah. Fuck off Squarespace. Although Get I do hear it's actually very good. <laughs> Squarespace, who do actually host this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fuck off, you bastards. Yeah. We're done with you. No, about, yeah, I've heard really good things about Squarespace, but yeah. they, they ain't getting nothing for free from us. Yeah. Take your very good and easy hosting and shove it. <laughs> Uh, on that note we'll be back next week to talk about Red Riding Hood 2011 Red Riding Hood bring it right bye 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 you forgot to do a spooky at the end